You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. This segment is brought to you by the Old Mutual Investment Group. 2024 has kicked off with a myriad of interesting themes and uh, focal points for investors to look at. And amongst these is obviously uh, the key of where to get the returns, where to get maximum value for your money as we go into the new year. And we're taking a look at an interesting fund that uh, Old Mutual has had for quite some time. And this fund has done exceptionally well in recent times. And I'm joined on the line by one of Old Mutual's portfolio managers to take a look at this. The fund is the Global Islamic Equity Fund. I'm joined on the line by Fawaz Fakir, who is the Portfolio Manager at Old Mutual Investment Group. Good evening, Fawaz. Thanks for taking the time. Obviously, with global investments and wanting to uh, reposition portfolios, there's a lot that goes into the thought process and the thinking behind that. But before we get to that, before we get to the fund and how what it looks at and what it's invested in, Let's start by looking at, I mean, it's called the the Global Islamic Equity Fund. And obviously that comes with an implicit uh, thought process as to uh, who invests in the fund and that sort of thing. But let's clarify that and let's start there. Let's look at the differences between ethical investing, ESG and faith-based investing. Yes, Jeremy. I mean, these are all very topical themes at the moment and for the last few years in investing, especially ESG and sustainable investing. And what faith-based investing is, the faith-based is just, I like to think of it as religion-based, you know, driven by your religion. Ethical investing is a more kind of broader kind of theme in terms of sustainability or the old socially responsible investment funds used to get. And then ESG, obviously, in the last few years is a more defined kind of framework in terms of looking at specifics of of sustainable investing such as environment social and governance so i kind of see esg as a subset of ethical investing but faith-based investing which this fund would fall under the global islamic equity fund as you mentioned that we're running for over 10 years now is kind of in the faith-based investing category and they really have a lot in common much more than than people think where you know, if you look at an Islamic fund like this, and if you look at global, the global be- best practice for ESG funds, we find that there's a huge intersection of kind of industries that we screen out, which we call refer to as casually as sin stocks, you know, uh, stocks that operate in the industries of alcohol, uh, tobacco, uh, gaming, weapons manufacturing, pornography, so on. We find that both ESG funds and Islamic or Sharia funds completely negatively screen these these companies. So we don't even consider it for investing, you know, and that lends itself to kind of a more similar opportunity set. I think where the kind of differences lie or the big differences between an Islamic fund or Sharia fund and an ESG fund is really on the in the Islamic space um, as as listeners might know, there's no um, interest-bearing companies or financials, companies that operate in the financial sector because of the, the huge interest components. And of course, interest is not is non-permissible. So that, that's a big kind of sectoral um, nuance of Islamic funds, whereas on the ESG side, we find that there's a huge focus on climate change or fossil fuels. So they steer away from kind of your dirty or fossil fuel or carbon intensive industries. So that's the two kind of big differences between the two. But other than that, as I mentioned, 
there's actually a big intersection between industries and sectors that are acceptable. Mm. Faz, I'm going to come back to the uh, financial component of it later on, but let's just clarify this or demystify this part of uh, the investment process. Islamic investing or Islamic-based funds are not specific to or are not limited to uh, Islamic individuals or Islamic investors. Uh, Obviously, non-Islamic investors can invest in these sorts of funds as well. It's more around, as you said, the underlying um, values or the underlying thought process in the companies that are chosen when looking at a fund like this. Absolutely, Jami. I mean, just to be clear, um, we don't uh, distinguish on any grounds between who can invest in the fund and who, who can't. This, the fund is absolutely open to everybody. Um, in fact, we conducted a study, I think it was around three to four years ago, on our retail book or the retail investors in the fund. And we actually found that one in five investors were not Muslim. You know, 20% of the investor base were not Muslim. So absolutely, it's completely open to everybody. And it has its benefits, you know. As I mentioned, you kind of in, in the Sharia universe or the subset of stocks that we look at, you immediately start off with almost like a high quality kind of base, which means that um, companies are financially less leveraged or uh, they have a lower interest component, more equity and less debt in their kind of their balance sheet or their, their working capital mix. And what that means is you have companies that from the start can grow more organically, you know, in terms of using their own capital without necessarily having to raise more external capital to fund its growth. So it also, by way of that, it lends itself to a more kind of mature company, companies that are further along their life cycles and companies that are kind of in stable industries. So you have that as a kind of a feature of Sharia funds. And, you know, these companies do very well in, in as I'll talk maybe more about later, but they do very well in kind of volatile or downturn or down bear markets by way of this kind of um, strong, resilient balance sheet base. And that being said, what Sharia funds can also offer is that they're kind of different to the rest of the market in terms of their return profile. So um, we know that the funds are competitive from a return point of view. I mean, the numbers speak for itself. This, this particular fund uh, won the best return over the last three years from CityWire, and it's competing with a conventional market, you know, um, although it's, it's Sharia compliant and, and for it's got the Islamic um, kind of mandate. But it's, it's very competitive in terms of its returns, but it's got a slightly different return profile, as I mentioned, which means that you can blend it quite well as part of your overall portfolio. You know, what you ideally want is, as an investor, is you want funds that do well, obviously, over the long term, but also the funds that, that kind of fire at different times in the cycle, which provides a diversification or a smoother return through time. So the fund like this has its place in any investor's portfolio. Mm. Faz, I like that you mentioned that, the diversification aspect of it, but also you touched on this earlier, and I want to come back to that now around the fact that there's no financial services businesses involved here. I mean, 
in, in the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic over the last couple of years, we've seen a, a focused uh, interest where a lot of investors have seen financial companies um, like banks as your defensive kind of stocks because even when interest rates are high, you're still able to leverage off of how the bank generates its revenues and all of that. How does a fund like this achieve those returns when you're not involved in that banking space, number one? And number two, not being involved in that banking space, does that mean that you are are now concerned around things like the trajectory of interest rates where it relates to central banks i mean that's that's been a whole other theme as well yes i mean we we do get that question from clients you know they're concerned that you know we stripping out the entire financial sector especially banks in a kind of a, a rising interest rate environment that we've observed for the last one and a half years or so you know and we know that banks benefit from that given the nature of their business. But the, what we do is we look at things from almost two distinct lenses. We focus a lot on risk, which is the one lens, and the other, which everyone kind of really focuses on, is return. But we bring a risk component to the way we look at things also. But I think let me start from a return perspective because that's what most fund managers look at. And we look at structurally um, tilting our portfolio to capture certain styles over time. Now, what style? What the styles that I'm talking about is we look for quality companies. We look for companies that are growing or have grown and continue to grow. And then we look to buy them cheaply. So we look for value. So it's quality, growth, and value. And we know that over time, these characteristics pay off. And they might not pay off all simultaneously at the same time. But we know that if we look for these characteristics and we hold companies that have these characteristics, we can generate good returns over the long term. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the exclusion of the banking sector, which we know, as I mentioned, benefits through a rising interest rate cycle, we, they, we can look towards other stocks that could benefit from the same return drivers. So for example, in a rising kind of cycle, we know that defensive stocks do well. You know, there's a squeeze on the consumer Consumers have less money, they spend less and kind of affects um, companies' revenues and and profit lines. And companies that do well also in environments like that besides banks is consumer staples, it's defensive type companies, you know, things like food, stuff like healthcare, you know, these things don't, the the spend never stops on these things. It's not ever cut down, you know, no matter where... um, what the financial condition of the consumer is. So we look to tilt into sectors like those. We also look for companies, as I mentioned, by naturally we have we look for companies with stronger balance sheet and less debt on their books. So they're less affected through a, a, a rising interest rate cycle because obviously the debt component that they have to service, they have less costs. So they tend to do well. Their profit margins are less affected by, by kind of um, debt servicing costs. And then, um, yeah, I mean, so, so that, there's that from a return perspective. Then from the risk perspective, there are shares that behave similarly to the financial sector, to banks. So um, we also look, you know, companies such as um, companies such as real estate, as a, it's very sensitive to the interest rate cycle, and also some fashion retailers. Um, so we looked at good quality companies there that kind of behave almost like banks. But also, we want to be in less risky companies or, or, as I mentioned, more defensive type companies. So like things like 
the stock's beta, we're looking for companies with lower beta or defensive in nature. So taking all of this from a risk and a return perspective, we ideally can hedge out the risk of not holding banks or financials and, and look to profit from other return and risk drivers. Mm. That being said, Fawaz, when we have to look at 2024, I mean, 2023, obviously, there were a couple of factors that drove uh, performance there. We saw a a late run on uh, the gold price that helped uh, boost some gold stocks and gold counters. Going into 2024, um, and we're looking at sort of ethical global equity, where is the opportunity set going to come from? Where do you see growth uh, coming from? I know your passion sits within ESG, uh, but I do know that you also look beyond that. Yes, I mean, Jimmy, this is the holy grail, right? (laughs) Looking forward where opportunities will will, will come from. And I think we're at a very interesting point now where you see like clear division in between fund managers and their views. You know, there's still some uh, huge component of fund managers saying like there might still be a recession and a slowdown as a result of interest rates being, being high. And then you get the more bullish ones who are like, no, we're nearing the top of the cycle now. You know, kind of this is the worst it's going to get. And the moment we start kind of going down and uh, interest rates go lower and inflation becomes um, more more tapered as it has, I mean, markets will start kind of getting a tailwind again. So, but you see people squarely in these camps or kind of grappling with this problem. But in my personal opinion, where I see growth coming from is the moment we are at the top of a cycle, which kind of this consensus that we are now, interest rates will start coming down globally this year. I mean, in SA, maybe sooner than in the States, but it will start coming down this year. As soon as that starts to happen, Jimmy, we our growth stocks and, you know, your more cyclical kind of stocks will get a tailwind. Because what we notice today is people don't wait for things to come through in earnings anymore. It's everything is traded on expectation, you know, um, what we expect to happen in the future. And you see this just on the back of any news that comes out these days. So I think if managers get the timing right from more defensive type companies, more value companies, which could do well in the first half of the year and shift into more cyclical, higher risk, more growth companies as the year progresses, as interest rates start coming down. I think those are the guys that will start or will win. Also from a emerging market or developed market, emerging market split, you also want to start getting away from kind of um, developed markets. Now they've had a good run in the law in 2023 and kind of start looking for opportunities in more riskier type markets as soon as interest rates start coming down. So structurally, you want to kind of benefit from these trends. What we do is we still diversify across quality value growth across various sectors, across various markets, and through the cycle, that's how we try and make money by diversification for our clients. Money through diversification. We'll leave it at that, Fawaz. Thanks so much. That's Fawaz Fakir, who is the portfolio manager at Old Mutual Investment Group, talking to us about the Old Mutual's Global Islamic Equity Fund, as well as where they're seeing pockets of opportunity going into 2024. The segment was brought to you by the Old Mutual Investment Group. Unlock the power of performance with Old Mutual Investment Group, where our expertise, experience, and ambition meet to deliver long-term solutions that help your money grow. As a black-owned investment management firm in South Africa with above-benchmark performance and five-star Morningstar-rated funds, we have the strategies you need to diversify your investments locally and globally. 
invest with Old Mutual Investment Group today. Go to oldmutualinvest.com forward slash institutional. Old Mutual Investment Group is a licensed financial services provider. Full disclosures can be found on the website. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM market update podcast uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.